0: Hey, Auburn's coaching staff is almost complete. We still got to fill that defensive coordinator slot. Let's talk about who's still left on the board with some updates for both. Let's talk some of my favorite offensive newcomers who are enrolled and in class and going through spring and some of my favorite defensive coordinators, Portal and High School. This is episode 12 of the Top Button Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Five, button up, And let's go. Uh, But before we get started, we got to give a shout out uh, to our presenting sponsor, Mr. Ford Stokes with Active Wealth Management. Check him out, activewealth.com. Reach out to Ford. He's going to give you a personalized, custom plan, uh, financial plan. Uh, We're not talking some cookie cutter. Uh, PowerPoint presentation. We're talking about y'all are going to uh, link up. You're going to go over goals. You're going to go over aspirations. You're going to go over what you got going on right now and the steps that you can take to get where you want to be. Uh, can't get any better than that. Uh, he's an Auburn guy too, so that's a plus in and of itself. Uh, so give Ford a shout. Uh, tell him I sent you. Tell him more Eagle. And hey, start now. Go ahead and start now. Start planning now and let Ford uh, help you get to the promised land. Uh, that's active wealth Management uh, at ActiveWealth.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we still have, uh, as of right now, as of recording, we still have an open uh, spot left to fill out this uh, coaching staff for 2024. Uh, and it's a big one. It's a big one. The defensive coordinator uh, position is still open. Um vacated by Ron Roberts, who, by all accounts, did pretty well at Auburn. I think there was just some personality issues that just didn't work out. He moved on. He's at Florida now, and Auburn's been looking now for, I don't know, two or three, three or four weeks maybe since the end of the season, uh, since the end of the bowl game. And the names have been very consistent. The names have been very consistent. It's been slow moving, but the names have been – Uh, very consistent. You have Chris Kiffin, who is the defensive line outside linebackers coach from uh, the Houston Texans, who just ended their playoff run last week. And then you have um, what's seemingly a candidate that's sort of heating up uh, in uh, former defensive coordinator for Texas A&M, DJ Durkin. Uh, So those two seem to be the primary names at this point in time. Not a thousand percent sure who is leading at this point in time. It it could be neck and neck. One could be favored over the order, uh, over the other. Not a hundred percent sure. You know, last night, uh, when I say last night, I'm talking about Sunday night. uh, A report came out from uh, I think it's Matt Zenitz, uh, who typically does not put anything out. He's a lot like Pete Thamel. doesn't typically put a lot of things out until it's pretty much a done deal. And he put out, uh, you know, a tweet that DJ Durkin had become a major target uh, for this search. Uh, So a lot of people thought a hire was imminent Um, and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen Sunday night. It didn't happen, at least as of now, all day Monday. Uh, And we're just going to have to see uh, how it plays out. Um, I want to kind of talk about both. Uh, give, give an update on, I guess, both candidates. And I want to have a little bit of a a long soliloquy, so to speak, on DJ Durkin because I saw some things and, uh, you know, I'm not going to play just middle of the road all the time. You know, I'm going to say what I want to say. And I, I got some thoughts on some of, some of uh, I'm not saying your, I'm just going to say some of the fans' reactions to that, that report, that tweet that went out. So, start off with Chris Kiffin. So, One thing that I've learned in the last couple of days is that in 2020, uh, the players and coaches in the NFL voted on a new collective bargaining agreement, a new CBA. And one of the things that did not take into effect until like, I think, 2021. Okay. So one of the things that was on there is that prospective coaches cannot negotiate With new jobs until their season is completely over. Now, if the coach is not wanted anymore, or the coach they're okay with that coach leaving, they may turn the other cheek or they may look the other way. But for the most part, it's pretty standard common practice now that. A coach is not going to talk to a coach, uh, an NFL coach, position coach, coordinator, whatever is not going to talk about another job until his season is over. Uh, could get there, could get it, could get messy. There could be issues. There could be stuff with his current team. It's just not going to happen now with this new uh, CBA, uh, this collective bargaining agreement that's 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 in place. So I did not know that. Okay, I was th- in my mind. You know, there's 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 probably been conversations and stuff going this whole time. And and I and I'm just assuming that more than likely Chris Kiffin has just decided that he's not going to come to Auburn. Uh he's he's Hugh's buddy. Uh so if it's not like they can't, you know, they haven't already discussed stuff like this, it's not like an agreement couldn't already be in place. Um and uh you know, as soon as the game's over, he could announce right then. You know, they, they've already worked on the details. And as soon as, that, that, as the game's over, they pr- could have just announced right then. Well, that's apparently not the case. Um, now, could there be some type of conversations? I think there probably could be some agent-related stuff where it's very, very minimal discussions of numbers, terms, demands, things like that. Uh, but just kind of get a good feel of where each other stand. I think that could probably, that probably uh, could, could be happening. But as far as like the negotiations and face-to-face conversations, which Hugh really wants uh, in, in almost every uh, aspect of his uh, staff and team to be able to have that face-to-face connection that cannot, could not have happened until the clock struck zero on Saturday evening and uh, when Houston went, uh, got, you know, knocked out by the uh, Baltimore Ravens. So Hugh had a big recruiting weekend that weekend. That's over now. Um, There's a report coming out from JG Tate on rivals.com that says that Hugh plans to meet when you're listening to this today, face-to-face with Chris Kiffin. That's been the guy he's wanted this whole time. And, you know, we've sort of thought that the longer it goes the worse it looked the worse it would look for that relationship to get back together but in reality it really couldn't it couldn't have gotten together until the season was over and he was willing to wait for uh the chance to have that uh one-on-one interaction it looks like that's going down today and i mean i'm not saying it that's i don't i don't know that he's the leader i think he's the one that Hugh probably wants the most uh, because he's wanted him for two years now. Tried to get him last year. For whatever reason, the timing didn't work. Had to get somebody in here pretty quick to go ahead and flip the roster. Houston was still playing football, and it was that whole can't talk to you yet type thing. But we had to have a defensive coordinator. You hire Ron Roberts. Now, Hugh's been mega patient, mega, mega patient, probably to the um, – probably to the – uh chagrin to most of us cuz we want it now. You know, we want it finished. You just watch your Alabama fill out their whole staff as laughable as that staff is. You watch them fill out that whole staff uh within a couple of days and you're like, "Man, what's taking so long?" But I, it come to find out it's 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 literally just that the the bar, the the contractual setup that Chris Kiffin is under, he cannot have negotiations face to face. He cannot have legitimate negotiations with Hugh Freeze about this position uh, until his season was over and it's over now. And then now reports are out that they're going to meet together uh, today. When you're listening to this, they should be meeting together today. If that report uh, is correct, which I have no reason to believe that it wouldn't be, I would imagine they would probably be meeting pretty quickly. uh, If it's, if there's any interest from both parties, I would say if both parties are meeting that's a pretty good sign as well that there's there's at least some uh, mutual in, uh, interest. Now it could just be a courtesy thing. It could be Chris Kiffin giving you know giving my buddy the opportunity, giving him the chance to talk. Uh, but still, still feels like he would respect you enough to say, "Look, I have no interest whatsoever. You're wasting your time. Go hire you another uh, defensive coordinator." So I'm not closing the door on Chris Kiffin yet. I was getting ready to because of the time frame, and I didn't understand how NFL coaching hires and contracts work. But, uh, in light of this new information, I think the door's not completely closed on Chris Kiffin. And I think, I think in general, you want your head coach to get his guy. Um, maybe not necessarily because you think it's the best guy, but it's, I'm able to go get my guy. That that means a lot. You know, it means a lot in recruiting. It means a lot uh in, in hiring coaches, comfortability, things like that. It's not so much that you can't get a coach just as good as Chris Kiffin, but it's not the guy you wanted. You know, that's not the your number one guy. So there's a lot to be said for being able to go out and get your guy. And I want who he wants. Okay. I think uh Chris Kiffin has a a, a, he's extremely well-respected in the NFL. He's, it's going to be, those are cush jobs, man. There's not very many of them. You don't have to recruit. You get to go home at three o'clock every day. Uh, so to be able to pry him away, I, I know it's going to take, uh, a lot of convincing, probably a lot of money. Um, but he comes from a great, uh, a great, uh, defensive pedigree, again, very well-respected. And he's a recruiting maniac. I mean, and he recruited everybody. He didn't just recruit defensive guys. He recruited everybody, and I think he could do that at Auburn tenfold of what he did uh, at Ole Miss. So i want the I want Hugh to get his guy. He's got Derrick Nix. He wanted Derrick Nix last year. Couldn't make the contract thing work. He got him this year. He's wanted Chris Kiffin for two years. Hopefully, he can pull that off. That's who. That's who I want him. I, I want Hugh to be able to get. Who he wants, and I feel like that should be what we want. Because ultimately, um, if you're able to go get the guys that you want to get, uh, that that means you're you're doing the right things. That means you, you're you're able to sell. You're able to uh, you're able to promote. Uh, you're able to, I guess, I guess you're able to tr- uh, translate what your vision is and, and entice someone to come want to be a part of it. So that that's big to me. Um, Another candidate, which I think is a great candidate, um, that's, that's come up late, uh, as of late is DJ Durkin. I say, as of late, his name was whispered, you know, that, uh, it was a possibility. Nick Saban, before he retired, that was going to be the replacement for Kevin Steele until whatever happened that made Nick Saban decide he was going to retire. Uh, they really wanted to get uh DJ Durkin to be a part of that staff before, uh, Nick Saban decided to just hang it up. Um, Mississippi State wants him really bad. Missouri would just do anything to have him right now. Uh, But he seems to be sort of waiting. Uh, It kind of feels like he's kind of waiting to see what Auburn wants to do, waiting to see what he wants to do. Um, This guy was – Rivals recruiter of the year back in two thousand and twelve. Yes, that was ten years ago, but it's also uh, the last time he wasn't like a coordinator or a, a head coach uh, type, you know, in that type of role. So it was one of those recruiter position coach roles. And you know, everywhere he's been, uh, you can look at all the different categories of defenses and you uh, in uh, defensive rankings and you can find, things to pick and, and prod and, and and build whatever kind of case you want to. But the bottom line is he keeps people from scoring. That's the bottom line. The only times he's had a defense, defense in the conference that he was coached in that was outside of the top half, top, uh, f- top five in the conference was at Ole Miss. And he started off – his very first year was when Lane took over. He started off – they were dead last in the lead and scoring – defense and in one year he got him to eighth okay so you had almost a 50 percent. you moved almost up to the you know up into the top half of defensive scoring in one off season and then he left to go to Texas A&M and Lane was furious they now are that's if that that right there ought to make you uh seem a little bit more uh seem maybe make him seem a little bit more attractive because you got somebody that that lane hates and he hates Lane. So and you know, we all of a sudden we have this Auburn versus Lane Kiffin rivalry weird thing going on. Uh I tell you somebody who can't stand him and knows the book on him and knows how to defend him, that's your boy DJ Durkin over there. Uh, so he was he was great at Texas A&M top 5 defenses in scoring and total defense both years he was there. Uh the one the one year he was at Michigan, uh he had a top 2 defense. I think he was the number 2 scoring defense uh in the Big 10 and then back when he was at Florida uh as a defensive coordinator under Will Muschamp in 13 and 14, they had top 5 uh scoring defenses. He was actually named the interim uh when uh, Will Muschamp was fired. So, a guy that knows the SEC has defended a lot of the teams, the offenses that we're going to be playing. Like he has familiarity with all of the offenses that are in the SEC in the SEC right now. So, um, I think he's just a very, I mean if you're just talking about a, a dude that kn- that knows the SEC, that can recruit and has had success at calling defenses, and you pair him with a Charles Kelly, I, I mean, I could see an argument where he's a better candidate than Chris Kiffin. At least you have a book out on uh, D.J. Durkin and, and the defenses that he calls and the success that he's had. Um, I think that, you know, I could see the argument where he may be a better candidate, but I want to go a different route with this DJ Durkin deal. Um, So I told you the, the, the Zenit's tweet tweet came out on Sunday and for there's, there's a section of Auburn fans that is more concerned about being, I guess, attacked on Twitter or like there's more Auburn fans that are worried about backlash and baggage, perceived baggage, and things like that than just going out and finding the best coach. Just going out and finding the best coach. It's like I'm so worried about being owned on Twitter. I'm so worried about somebody saying something that's going to hurt my feelings or being embarrassed, and I don't even really know why I'm going to be embarrassed because I haven't done my research and know how to come back. Uh, at somebody we're so worried about stuff like that, that we'll just make up wild narratives, wild narratives and false promises. I'm going to drop my tickets or I'm embarrassed or we can't get any lower stuff like this. It just blows, it just blows me away, blows me away over something that happened, uh, at Maryland, which was terrible. A tragedy that happened, um, sp- uh, in 2008. So over five years ago that he had nothing to do with, he was just happened to be the head coach at the time of summer workouts, uh, wasn't even present, uh, for this tragedy. Um, and on top of that, he was cleared of all wrongdoing and they paid him his whole buyout. Okay. So if he did anything wrong, people say, Oh, he killed a guy. Okay. That's not what happened. That's not even remotely what happened. If he if he did that, they wouldn't have paid him a dime. If he was if he was negligent, they would not have been able to pay, they would they could have got away without paying him a dime. He was cleared of all wrongdoing. He was going to be reinstated until everybody, you know, the way we get outraged, we just get outraged over things uh without knowing all the facts of the situation. Uh and, and they had to let him go because of you know backlash of, of essentially clearing him and letting him come back to be the head coach. Um, but all of this, man, like, and it doesn't take that long to research it. It does not take that long to find out that he was not even there, which a lot of times coaches can't be there during, um, summer workouts. You only get so many hours that you can spend, uh, with your team when it's, I guess, kind of the off season, so to speak. So he wasn't even there. Number two, before he was hired. Both years, he requested from two merit. Like he requested from the athletic department that he needed more medical personnel. Look it up, Google it. Take two minutes and look that up. He requested to have more medical personnel. If you took two seconds to understand that, he and he was denied, and he was denied. So if you took take two seconds to find that out, you can confirm that DJ Durkin was proactive in wanting. This Maryland, uh, the, the Maryland athletic, uh, uh, medical staff ain't got ain't it. What we got going on ain't enough. It ain't it. I need more. They said no. Okay. So, uh, and then all of the, all of the blame after the investigation was put on the medical staff, the medical staff that was there that, that ignored the warning signs that didn't treat properly, that didn't get him to the hospital fast enough, had nothing to do with DJ Durkin. Nothing to do, okay? So, again, stop worrying about what other people are going to say to you on Twitter and just do the research yourself and then form your opinion. Then form your opinion and then be okay to change. Be okay to change your position, okay? It's okay. I was wrong about the Chris Kiffen hire. I was completely wrong. I found information that I was not aware of. On the time frame of how NFL coaches can and cannot be interviewed, I thought the longer it went, the worse it looked for him. I was wrong. It's okay to be wrong. It's totally okay to be wrong. But don't be so prideful that you've gone out and embarrassed yourself on on some kind of social media platform or in front of others that you're just going to dig your heels in and, and 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 because you're too proud to say you were wrong. It's okay to be wrong. I'm wrong often. I'm wrong, I'm wrong often. I've probably been wrong several times uh, since this show started, and I sure, as hell have been wrong on Locked on Auburn before. okay? It's okay. It's okay to be wrong. I don't know what an overfront is. How about that? It's okay. It's okay. Do do your research, look at the candidates, look at what they bring to the table. Now, if there's something egregious out there, if there's something that egregious out there that's irresponsible, I get it. This ain't it. This ain't one of them. It's not, it's not even remotely close. It's an awful thing. And I got news for you. If you think it is, then I got, I don't know how you're able to uh, handle Auburn university, having a statue in a field named after Pat Dye. because unfortunately there was a tragedy when Pat Dye was here where a young man passed away uh, in, in summer workouts from a heat stroke or some type of heat related illness. Did you even know that? Take a couple of minutes and look that up. I don't hold that against Pat Dye. I don't even think the family of the of the of the man that passed away, uh, of the of the kid that passed away, holds it against him. It's it happens. Unfortunately, um, it happens almost every year. It seems like because it's a very it's a very strenuous game. It's, it takes a lot of hard hard workouts, and and it, unfortunately. When you're training for it, it's as hot as it can pop the hottest part of the year. The hottest part of the year, it seems like definitely in the south. August, September are miserable, are absolutely miserable. And then you got your workouts in June, July that are it's just it's a hundred degrees and a hundred plus humidity all the time. Like it's it's crazy. You got to watch it. You got to have medical staff in play. Uh, You got to have. Safety precautions. you got to have protocol for when stuff like that happens. I had a good buddy when I was in school, Andre Wadley, okay? Andre Wadley, four-star defensive lineman from Fernando Beach, Mississippi. Look him up. Signed in 2008. Um, Thought he was going to be – I mean, he was going to be uh, an NFL player. He could have easily been an NFL player. He comes to Auburn, one of his first workouts – Not first workouts, but like first summers of working out. He has a heat related extreme emergency to the point where he almost didn't make it. Spent weeks, spent weeks in the hospital, kidney issues to the point it was so bad he could never play football again. Could never play football again. He doesn't, he never blamed you know, the coaches or he never blamed the, the strength, uh, Yox for, for making them work out too hard or, or things like that. It's just a freak thing that unfortunately happens sometimes in super hot weather and in these type of workouts where kids have to go hard and exert themselves. Good friend of mine. Uh, again, he could have lost his, he could have lost his life and and nobody, nobody, probably nobody even knows that, but, but even he, even he himself doesn't hold a grudge against the the staff that 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 were working him out. It's just something that happened. It's just something that we can't control. That we can't really um, see uh, down, see in the future to know that it's going to happen. It's just something that you got to be prepared for always. Uh, and for whatever reason, that Maryland medical staff was not prepared, and 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 then you know it it happened and and it's terrible and it's tragic and uh, it's, it's, you know, something that you never, ever want to discuss, but it had nothing to do with DJ Durkin. DJ Durkin did not kill anyone. Okay. I've seen that. I've seen that so many times and it's, it's awful that, that that's what people, it's awful that there's opposing fan bases or even our own fans that want to use that phrase to, to get their point across, use that phrase DJ Durkin killed someone. Use that phrase to win the battle, win the Twitter argument. That's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. So look, I'm done with that. I'm ready to get back booging. We got two great candidates. I kind of still feel like Chris Kiffin's gonna be the guy. We'll see. I'm probably wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm gonna tell you that I'm wrong because it's 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 not worth it to just it's not worth it in in life to just dig in and say, you're always, you're always right. And then I'm just going to keep spinning, even if I'm wrong. Uh, But we'll see, we'll see what happens. I'd be ecstatic with either. I'd be ecstatic with either. I think both of them are great fits. Obviously you got the relationship with um, Hugh and Chris Kiffin. He's wanted him for two years. And then you got Derek Nix and uh, Jake Thornton, who've given the green light to DJ Durkin. Like that guy work together under a uh, toxic head coach, uh, Lane Kiffin, uh, and 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 they love, you know, they, they love working with D.J. Durkin and think he could be a great fit, so if it's either one of those two, I feel like we're going to be in great hands. If it's not, we'll have to see who pops up. There's some other guys that have been talked about, nobody really serious, but uh, Hugh's going to have a plan uh, regardless, so Let's see how it shakes out, and uh, I'm sorry I had to go. I told you in that my intro episode, sometimes we're going to have some life lessons. <laughs> sometimes we're going to have, and, th- and that may just you know, take what I say with a grain of salt, whatever. You may value it. You may not. Who cares? I'm, I'm going to say what I want to say uh, when I want to say it. So, anyway, before we move on to talk about some uh, offensive and defensive newcomers, let's give a shout-out to plainscoffee.com. Uh, Use coupon code BUTTON for 10% off every single order. Look, stop going to Publix. Stop going to Aldi. Stop going to Winn-Dixie. All these places, Walmarts that have coffee that have been sitting in a a warehouse for weeks or months uh, at a time. You can go to PlainsCoffee.com. You can order your coffee. And the day before it ships to your house, it will be freshly ground. So when it shows up I don't even think that sometimes I'm worried that the post office the 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 guy the person that delivers post office UPS uh whoever I'm worried they may smell that smell and steal it uh because it's it's just so irresistible because it's going to be freshly ground you're going to put it on your front step and you're going to be able to smell it uh uh, when, as soon as you open that door, you, you're going to be able to smell It's so fresh. So um, you got all kinds of different coffees, African, Colombian, Brazilian. And then if you don't like coffee, they got tea too. So check them out, plainscoffee.com use coupon code button for 10% off. All right, let's have some fun. Now we've talked about the serious stuff. Now let's have some fun. Let's talk about some hulking super teens that have graced us with their presence on campus. They have moved to Auburn, Alabama. They are in God's country. They are enrolled. They are working out. Let's talk about some of my personal favorite uh, offensive and defensive newcomers. We're going to start with offense, okay? So you guys know, if you've listened to me at all, if you've ever listened to me on Locked on Auburn, uh, you listen to me on here, you know that I am a sucker. I am an absolute sucker for a height and weight chart. You give me a height and weight chart. I will pick it clean. I will pick it. I will overanalyze it, analyze it under, over, around, you know, whatever. I just absolutely love, uh, height and weight charts. I love to see the, uh, I love to see after like someone's been here, their their increase, increases in weight, their decreases in weight if they need to lose weight, increases in height as these young kids grow. I just love a height and weight chart. And all the Auburn's newcomers were updated. And there's some guys on here that I'm sort of shocked at that, that they're they are the size they are. I expected them to be smaller. And then there's some where they're just, their measurables are just, they've always been great. They've always been great. And now they're here and now they're working out. And uh it's just gonna be uh great to see them sort of go through spring. I'm so excited about eight day this year, I can hardly stand it. But um my number one uh offensive newcomer that I'm the most excited about, spoiler alerts, Cam Coleman. Okay. Um you know that he's a big kid, but when you really when you don't really understand until you get him here and you get him uh it's like a like a combine-type measurement. So he comes in, true freshman, 6'3", 190. Uh, as an outside wide receiver, I don't know that you can get more prototype uh, than that. Physically, this kid is ready to go. This kid is absolutely ready to go. So physically, he's ready to go. Um, skill level, he's more then ready to go. And I'm just going to say it. I think he's our best receiver on campus day one. Actually, in today's day, whatever today is of class, he was the the best receiver day one when he started class. When he enrolled at Auburn, he was the best receiver on campus. I did a whole segment on how good he is. I'm not going to go through all the different things. But the value of having that guy that can win a 50-50 battle Consistently, when the play breaks down, is something that this offense missed like exponentially this past season. And you got this guy, and and I just don't even see, he just dropped his, I think uh, uh, Jeffrey Lee posted his senior full-length, full-season highlight film. Um, from high school this past year we had like 1,300-plus yards, and it's not just against scrubs. It's in the state championship. It doesn't matter if it's a fade, if it's a slant. He's a touchdown machine uh, playing at the highest competition you could possibly play in in the state of Alabama, and he's here. And I just – man, the first time they throw that beautiful little fade, that beautiful little RPO slot uh, – not slot fade, that RPO back shoulder play like – I just personally, uh, I'm gonna. Someone's gonna have to be around me to catch me when I when I when I faint because that's just I, I cannot wait to see that. You thought that I loved to see Rivaldo catch a fade, the first one that Cam Coleman catches. I could go into, uh, I could possibly go into cardiac arrest. Like we're gonna have to keep me. Uh, you're gonna have to keep me. Uh, keep a watch on me because uh, I'm, I'm gonna be ready for it. Um, my second offensive newcomer that. I think I'm excited about and I honestly just think it's probably the most important offensive add to this co- upcoming roster of all uh the incoming uh the all the incoming folks and that's Percy Lewis. Guy's 6'8", 345. 6'8". I don't even know that we've ever had a 6'8" offensive tackle. 6'8", 345. You're talking immediate left tackle, immediate starter at left tackle that gives you the flexibility to move Dylan Wade inside. A guy that makes two positions better. Okay, He makes offensive tackle obviously better and then he's going to make the guard position, either left guard or right guard, uh, better, which is probably going to make the other Position better. You could argue this, his, him adding him there could make three positions better. Uh, he's that, he's that huge to this offensive line that was already mega competitive last year. And you get everybody back. You get everybody back and you get another year with him, another year to develop with him. You got two tall on the right side who came in, uh, JUCO with three years to play, who we didn't even expect to need to play last year. And he started almost every single game uh, at right tackle. He was so good. You got to bump in, bump down Gunner Britt at at to guard. Like he that that's another guy that was good enough to make two positions better. Percy Lewis is a good enough is good enough to make two, maybe even three positions better. Uh, so you couple that with uh, Connor Lugan another year. All your guards coming back. Your young players that uh, that can compete huge man just absolutely huge from a physically huge person standpoint and then huge from a what he brings to this offense and how he he how big of an impact he will have on this offense percy lewis absolute stud and then my my buddy my boy i say my buddy i don't even know him but i feel like we're going to be friends eventually one day that's walker white uh 64 220 Look, there's a stigma on quarterbacks that come from the state of Arkansas. Um, You know, you got guys like Mitch Mustaine, and there's Kyle Frazier, and there's Cody Burns, and there's all these dudes that are highly rated that come out of Arkansas that, for whatever reason, don't necessarily pan out uh, at the top, you know, at the highest level uh, in college football. Walker White first of all had one of the biggest jumps in rankings uh, of, of anyone this year uh, after this latest round of re-rankings because of his, his um, because of his um, performance at the army all American game, where they say there is no question the most talented quarterback at the U S army all American game. Now, that is, that's big in and of itself, but just, you know, having him uh, sort of take that first step of shaking that stigma of, you know, small school Arkansas quarterback, but Hey, look, I'm, I'm, pl- I'm playing with the best and, and, and I above uh way above them. And, and I, and I, performed in an an arena where one of my biggest attributes was not even able to be utilized, and that's running the football, running people over, jumping over people. Uh, His arm strength is, he could be, I mean, he could have the best uh, NFL arm on on the team day one, like the minute he steps on, steps on, steps uh, on campus, which he's already been on campus. So, he may already have the best NFL arm on campus. He's He's got that live of an arm. It spins the minute – I mean, it's just spinning the minute it leaves his hand. Uh, and then he's 6'4", 220, like 6'4", 215, whatever. He's already physically mature. Like, I'm not – I don't know that this is a one-man – Or or even a two man quarterback race uh, moving forward. I don't know that Peyton Thorne's job is safe. I don't think, you know, necessarily Hank Brown is just going to slide in there uh, either uh, as the incumbent uh, if, uh, you know, Thorne goes down just because of how well he played uh, in the bowl game. Like, I think Walker's going to give them a run for their money. And Walker may be the kind of guy that says, hey, take the orange jersey off of me in spring take the orange jersey I'm young I'm I'm it's a, if I get if I get banged up I got time to heal let's get after it let's get after it and uh that's the kind of kid that's the kind of quarterback that is a prototype for what Hugh Freeze wants to do to be able to get tough yards when he has to and be able to be a real running threat to run that RPO and uh I I love I'm even more excited about Walker white after seeing him in the all-star game, after seeing his measurables, uh, as, as, he gets here to Auburn, um, and just overall just leadership and, you know, going crazy at the basketball games, which that ain't got nothing to do with football, but it's just cool to see your, your quarterback. That's that's there and going nuts and just seems like he just loves to be here. So, um, I'm excited to see, uh, his progression, uh, as as time goes on so that's my three you know top offensive newcomers there's 28 players to choose from I just picked not 28 total offensive players but there's 28 to choose from those are the three that I picked uh, for offense I think are my favorites you may have different ones I'd love to hear them let me know who your favorites are in the comments tweet at me whatever Uh, I'd love to hear I'd love to have that conversation so moving on to defense I'm going to cheat a little bit on defense. Look. I said I was going to name three, but one of them is a group, man. One of them I can't pick. There's one I, – I can't – I love these three so much I'm just going to lump them in uh, as one, and that's our our big-time defensive lineman, uh, T.J. uh, Malik Blockton, and Amaris, say my name right, Williams. Amaris, I got it this time. It's not Amaris, it's Amaris. Uh These guys are dudes that – I thought were good, uh, were great, uh, but I wasn't 100% sure that physically they were going to be ready to go um, right away. Malik Blockton comes in. He practices in the uh, bowl game practice. He's 6'4", 280 already, and they say he's turning heads. Um, Unbelievable, unbelievable guy there. then you look at uh, TJ Lindsay. TJ Lindsay is six five two seventy. 270. Okay. Um, I can't even, uh, like, that is that is starter size. That is starter size. Maybe not necessarily, or that's a guy that can rotate behind a Keldrick Falk. You're kind of Keldrick Falk size already. Uh, and that's TJ Lindsay. A dude that can play multiple positions, and I think it's going to keep growing, uh, and probably end up playing somewhere around three hundred yards or 300, 300 pounds, but six, five, 270. and then a Morris say my name, new five star Williams just became a five star uh, on two four seven, showed out like crazy uh, in the uh, in the um, the All American games. Um, I have been high on this kid. Like, we thought our last defensive lineman would be Jeremiah Beeman, who ended up signing signing at uh, signing with Alabama, LOL. Um, and then uh, Amaris kind of came out of nowhere, kind of came out of nowhere, kind of came out of the blue. And then all of a sudden you get him, and he's a freak. He ends up being a five-star. He's a freak. He played running back in high school at 6'3", 270. And he shows up at Auburn 6'3", 273. And or 263, and he's a he's listed as an edge. Like he, I mean, I, I don't know that he's going to play a hundred percent, um, edge, but you got an athletic, freaky guy. Like there's going to be a lot of young, talented dudes playing early on this defensive line. And I couldn't name just name just one of the, I couldn't pick just one. I had to pick a group there. I had to pick the group, the, the trifecta of those dudes, um, because I think they're going to be mega impactful on the defensive line uh, immediately, immediately uh, at Auburn. So number two, uh, my number two defensive newcomer that I'm pumped about is uh, Jaron Thompson. Uh, Safety transfer from uh, Texas. Look, one thing this defense, one gaping hole in this defense was uh, at safety was at safety, uh, and we needed a veteran. We had a lot of young guys, but from a responsibility standpoint, it's probably a lot easier to play a freshman on the defensive line than it is to play at safety because offenses are so complex, route trees, understanding uh, how – uh, a quarterback can check uh, how they can call different things at the line and, and what receivers can do and how they can combo off each other. Like it's so easy how to be able to pick up a back out of the backfield, how to be able to understand, uh, you know, what the tight ends do. And like stuff like that is very, very, it gets very complicated at this level. And you just don't see a lot of dudes, uh, young guys to be able to play linebacker or safety uh, really early and, unless they're just freaks like a Caleb Downs. So we needed – and I don't think we had that player yet anyway. Um, Jaron Thompson is not going to be your showstopper, your your guy that's going to be your high draft pick, but he's a veteran that's played a ton of snaps, had a big interception that pretty much sealed the game for Texas, almost returned it all the way back for, um, for Texas against Alabama, that uh, he almost returned for a touchdown. You add him – Uh, to the defensive secondary. He could be a leader. You couple him with some of the young guys, your Laquan Robinson, your Juco freak that's 6'3", 200 pounds uh, that's coming in that'll knock your face off. Um, You add him in there as your lurker, your lurker safety that understands, hey, I may not be the most athletic or the fastest guy, but I've played a lot of football and I know how to get myself in position to make plays. We needed that guy. We did not have that guy. We have that guy now with Jaron Thompson. Very impactful, very excited, super pumped to see uh, Jaron Thompson and what he can do. And then the freakiest freak of all these, you know, kids that we signed is uh, Demarcus Riddick. Um, There was a lot of hype around Bryce Kane, a lot of talk about Bryce Kane in in the early practices, the bowl practices. There was way more talk about DeMarcus Riddick, like the the speed that he had from sideline to sideline. The uh, There was even some talk that he could have some packages at safety. Like he's that athletic and he's 6'3", or 6'3", 220, 6'3", 230. Like that's NFL size already and he can be one of the fastest players on the field. Like it's – again though, linebacker is a tough, tough position for a young, young player to come in and play – but if you can get in those situations where it's read and react and he can him being here for the ball practice, him being here to be able to go through spring, just fast tracks his development. He is going to be a kid that's going to be hard. You could see this is a guy that midway through the season could just take over. Maybe not first game. He may have to ease in, play a little mop up duty early with some of the you know easier games we have and sort of work his way up. He could be a guy. Don't let somebody get hurt. Don't let their. Hey, you better not sprain your ankle. You know, you better not. You better not hurt your elbow. You better not have any time off where this guy's going to have an opportunity to take your snaps because he ain't letting it go. He ain't letting it go. If he gets the spot, he's not letting it go, and he could be a guy midway through the season that takes over, and you, you, you'll he'll let go in three years when he's going in the draft. Like that's how good uh, of an athlete he is. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm overly pumped about uh, these 28 dudes. A couple of them are walk-ons, but still 28 early enrollees, your portal and your uh, 2024 recruiting class. You still got a handful, a really uh, handful of high caliber dudes that are coming in in the summer. One being Perry Thompson, Malcolm Simmons, uh, if you land your Ryan Williams, it'll be your Ryan Williams, your Dre Carter. Um, those are all like it ain't like we got just the scrubs coming in in the summer. You got other five stars and high four stars coming in in the summer too. So crucial that you got all these guys in early and you can go ahead and start developing them so they're a little bit ahead of the game and you're not ta- you're not throwing out completely green. Um, True freshman. You got a little bit of seasoning on them, a little bit of action on them. So uh I'm just I'm just pumped to have all these guys here, have them are already working out. I think it's it's gonna be great for the future. Go ahead and get this top class in here and get developing, get 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 the work on them, get them acclimated because you're gonna need them because we're gonna be young, but we're gonna be talented. We're gonna be young this year, but we're gonna be talented. So uh I think that's probably gonna be it for today. I think there could probably be some coaching news uh, on field and off field coaching news um that we'll talk about probably on Thursday. We'll talk about where do, you know are we hopefully we can look at it and say are we better as a staff? Are we better as a coaching staff or not? And hopefully we'll have something uh by the end of um you know, by the time we record uh, for the Thursday show. So I appreciate it, guys. Have a great weekend. This basketball team keeps winning. We got a big week of basketball. And once a lot of this football stuff dies down, we'll talk some basketball too. So uh, I appreciate you guys listening. Have a great rest of your week. And we'll talk back on Thursday. This is episode 12 of the Top Button Podcast. Stay button, War Eagle.